You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our second reading on this Easter Sunday is the account of Jesus' resurrection according to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter beginning with the first verse. Friends, let us continue listening now for a word from God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, Mary said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that Jesus had said these things to her. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, through your immense goodness and your unwavering grace, push back the stones upon our hearts this day. Push back those stones, O oh God, that seal in our fears our anxieties, our worry, our grief, our sadness. Oh God, through the power of your spirit, free us anew this day 
through the good news of your resurrection, through the truth that behind that stone is only the emptiness. And in that emptiness is your love. Oh God, through the power of your love, take the words of my mouth this day and the meditations of all of our hearts that they may be pleasing and glorifying to you for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I listened to an interview recently with the actor Brian Cranston, probably best known for his roles on shows like Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad. He was Walter White. Someone reminded me after the early service that he was also Dr. Tim Watley on Seinfeld, which is probably where most of us first met him. Apparently also an accomplished stage actor, won a Tony for portraying Lyndon B. Johnson in the 2014 show All the Way. Anyway, Cranston was giving this interview and he was talking about growing up in Los Angeles and how he was this diehard, lifelong L.A. Dodgers fan. But he went on to talk about how his real love for the Dodgers is tied to this abiding love for the late broadcaster, the voice of the Dodgers for decades, Vince Scully. You all know that name? Cranston apparently had a rough childhood, but he talked about how on days that were not going well, he knew he could always turn on the radio and listen to Vince Scully's honey-like voice telling stories, weaving narratives in and out of the play calls, conjuring these images. The word that Cranston used to describe Vince Scully was that his voice became and represented for him a sanctuary. Right from the months of April to September, October, if it was a good season, he knew that he could go and turn on that radio and put on his headphones and for three hours just be taken away. For three hours, everything would be safe. For three hours, there'd be no worries. For three hours, all was well. And all was well. You know, I don't know what Mary's voice sounded like. It seems safe to guess. It sounded nothing like Vince Scully's voice. But I am willing to bet that her words carried the same weight, carried the same meaning for those disciples when they heard her announce to them, I have seen the Lord. It's amazing to me in John's gospel and his telling of the resurrection, you have these different disciples So you have Mary, of course, who first goes to the tomb and she finds the stone rolled away and she's concerned, afraid even, of what she'll find inside. And so she runs back and she gets reinforcements in the form of Simon Peter and John, the disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how John's gospel always loved to refer to him. And Simon and John, they run ahead of Mary and they get there first John does, and then Simon comes, and Simon is the first to go into the tomb, and John follows. 
And John sees those grave clothes, those linen wrappings. And for him, that is the clue. That is the sign. That is the moment where he comes to understand what has happened, that Jesus has been resurrected. Simon Peter, it's a little less clear exactly when he comes to that knowledge. But still, the two of them have an experience there in the tomb. And they leave, John tells us. They go back to their homes. It's amazing to me that Mary... Mary is the only constant in this story. But even more amazing is that Mary is the only one of the disciples that day to actually see the resurrected Christ. Right? John and Peter, they don't actually see Jesus. They see signs of what's happened, but they don't lay their eyes on the resurrected Christ. It's only after they leave when Mary encounters this gardener and when he speaks her name, Mary... Rabbi, her eyes are opened. I've seen the Lord. It's interesting, right? Her choice of words. She runs back after that encounter and she doesn't choose to launch into some lengthy theological explanation. She doesn't pull out her Hebrew Bible and then to begin to go through all the verses that predicted a Messiah would come. And John's gospel is prone to do that. In John's gospel, it takes Jesus four chapters just to say goodbye to the disciples. John loves long-winded theological explanations. But when you get to this moment, which is the pinnacle, the apex of the story, there's none of that. All we get is Mary offering her personal witness. She has seen the Lord. And she wants others to know it. It makes me think about the bear. (laughs) I will tell you that I woke up on Thursday morning prepared to be distracted by the first round of the Masters. But when you added a bear on top of that, it was perhaps one of the least productive Maundy Thursdays of my life. (laughs) But have you all heard the story about how the bear even got spotted? Right? So we caught on camera out here. Again, we checked. You don't have to be worried. But the bear casually strolled right past the chapel through that courtyard about 3.30 in the morning. And we assumed from there it just went and decided it was ready for a nap and climbed into the tree. But no one spotted him until like 10, 11. It was a neighbor here who loves to walk around this part of East Main Street who also enjoys birds. And he heard the sound of a bird that he was curious about. And he started looking around for where this bird might be. And he was surprised when he saw a very different looking bird. (laughs) A very different colored bird than the one he expected there in the tree. And he flagged down a police officer and she stopped and he said, excuse me, ma'am, but am I imagining things or is that a bear in a tree? And the police officer too was equally surprised. Yes, that is a bear in a tree. You know, aren't our experiences with the risen Christ a little like that? Sometimes they're a little surprising, a little shocking, 
right? Sometimes we look up and we are just bewildered by what we're looking at. We're not quite sure if what we're seeing is really what we're seeing. I wonder if that isn't how those disciples first heard those words. Say what, Mary? You've seen who? I've seen the Lord. And on the breeze of those words, they come to understand that what she is saying is as true as a bear in a tree was for us on Thursday. Right? Isn't that what happens for us when we, we turn on a communion Sunday and we offer communion to that person sitting next to us, but we're surprised when we turn and we look and we see it's the person who, well, we don't like much? That person who just kind of disagrees with every one of our senses, that person who we got in a disagreement with at a committee meeting years ago and it's still kind of there in the air between us. Right? Are our encounters with the living Christ not like in that moment when something shifts inside of us? As we look that person in the eye and we say, the body of Christ broken for you cup of salvation for you. I've seen the Lord. Or maybe for some of us, it's like those moments when we hold the hand of a dying person and pray for them. When we get to the end of the prayer, we say our amen and we open our eyes, but we, we feel that they're not letting go of our hands yet and their eyes are still closed and they begin to pray for us. I've seen the Lord. Or maybe it's those moments when we're so surprised that there's a fire in us. There's a fire burning in us, giving us the courage to say things that we didn't know we could say. Giving us the strength and the conviction to speak truth to things that need to have truth spoken to. To call out for the voiceless to cry out against those places where there is hurt and pain and injustice in our world. Where does that come from? But from the risen Christ. I have seen the Lord. Maybe it's those moments as we talk with someone and as we listen, we're just overwhelmed by their courage, by their strength, by their grace, that we know the hurt and the pain and the worry that they have carried in their hearts. I have seen the Lord. The 20th century theologian, Scottish theologian, pastor William Barclay, he had this great line. He said, you know, Christianity, it does not mean knowing about Jesus. Christianity does not mean knowing about Jesus. It means knowing Jesus. Right, friends, without Easter, without today, we would only know about Jesus. We would have this interesting book and we could flip through all the pages and we could tell you about this teacher and healer and preacher and prophet who lived 2,000 years ago, but we'd always have this sense that the story kind of ended in a sad way on a cross as a criminal, without Easter, we would only know things about Jesus, but with Easter, 
With our Easter, we know Jesus. We can meet and have met Jesus. We see Jesus. Right? With Easter, we can live lives in the certainty that God does some of God's best work in the dark. I wish all of you could have been out there in the freezing cold this morning uh, as we did our sunrise service in the columbarium. Because we started in the dark and we finished in the light. Right? Because we know Easter, we are people who can live in the certainty that just like a bear in a tree or a gardener in the tomb, God surprises us. Because of Easter, because we know and can meet and can see the living Christ, we can live lives in the certainty that all is not always as it seems. I have seen the Lord, Mary says. Gosh. How must those disciples have heard those words? What must those words have landed on them like? I have a guess. How about you? I'm willing to bet that when those disciples heard Mary make that announcement of all announcements, it felt a lot like a sanctuary. It felt a lot like all, well, all really will be well. Not just for three hours, but for eternity. What's that Julian Norwich quote? All will be well, she says. And all will be well. And because Christ is risen, all manner of things will be well. I have seen the Lord. Friends, we have seen the Lord too. We know the same thing those disciples knew so long ago. That in Christ we have found our sanctuary. That in Christ we have found a God, not who we know about, but a God who we know intimately. And how do we know it? Because, friends, Christ is risen. All together now, Christ is risen indeed. Amen.